Takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. Four to two Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Chapman's fired up. I'm fired up. We've got a late edition, but a good one nonetheless. It is a special guest co-host kind of day for Brian McCormick, the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights. And let me just say, Brian, it's always a pleasure when we have you on the program. And I, I think that today is one of those days that's really custom built for you because there's a lot of thought experiments and a lot of different things that we're looking at just in terms of the goal and the NHL at large. But first and foremost, how are you doing today, buddy? Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Uh, it's another fun hockey week. I apologize for uh, joining the program so late in the day. If I <laughs> if I told you I was coming on this morning, then we probably would have had Connor McDavid traded, but we'll just have to we'll have to go with what happened on its own volition. I like that. I like that. That you consider yourself like Schlepprock. I, no, I no, think no, listen, I've, I've been proven to be. <laughs> Here's the thing. If at some point during this two hours Jack Eichel gets traded, then it's clearly a product of you being on the show. Well, and the funny thing, Brian, is someone asked us, I think me and Ryan yesterday, which of the misfits they thought would be the last remaining member oh, of the Golden oh, Knights. No. And I, I, my reply was, I am not going to name a name because I guarantee you the name that I put down would be the next guy traded. Yeah, that's, and he would never forgive you. No, no. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> So we've, we've got a, a packed show again today, and just before we kind of get into the program, just a note in terms of this show, the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. After tomorrow's show, we will be on hiatus for the month of August. We will be back in September ahead of training camp, ahead of next season for the Golden Knights. But uh, taking a little bit of a break, a little bit of a breather, and we will see you on the other side. So today, tomorrow, get your hockey talk fix in, and then we will catch you in September. But, you know, Brian, I, I wanted to start off the show asking your thoughts, your opinions of the day Kelly McCrimmon had yesterday as free agency opens, as he tinkers with the cap space freed up from the Marc-Andre Fleury trade to make this Golden Knights team better. You know what I think was interesting was, and it kind of reflects the conversations we had on the Marc-Andre Fleury trade day, where there was you know, a lot of frustration amongst the fan base that they didn't want to see change. Uh, and, and of course, that wasn't just change for change's sake. It was Marc-Andre Fleury, who is beloved and, and for very, very good reason. But in addition to that, it was, well, the players that we love are the ones who, who tend to disappear. Well, it was because of that Marc-Andre Fleury trade and the, uh, the, the cap space it freed up that they were able to maintain a couple of important players from last year's playoff run that they didn't think they were going to be able to. I think when we were in these seats a, a week ago, we thought it was extraordinarily unlikely that Alec Martinez and Matias Yamark would both be back, and they both are. So now again, that doesn't soften the blow of losing a, a Vezina winner. It, it, you know, it's it, it's still going to be uh, 
the, the reflection of the success rate will be what kind of season Robin Leonard has. But they keep Matias Janmark, they keep uh, Alec Martinez, and they add an Evgeny Dadnov who, uh, you know, in a regular season you can pretty much, you know, track record history-wise, you can pencil him in for 25 goals and somewhere in the neighborhood between 50 and 60 points pretty comfortably and someone who can be a, a power play uh, augmenter as well. So you know, I thought it was a good day, and I think it was also a reflection of, and he, Kelly McCrimmon said it in uh, his press conference when he followed the Marc-Andre Fleury trade, and he said, you know, I think we feel better about our center group in here than than other people are, are making it out to be on the outside. They, were, they weren't too uh, concerned about shaking things up tremendously, and I think what we learned is is that this team that was a rough week against Montreal away from being in a cup final still thinks that they were very, very much in a position to be that same team. A little bit more of a if-it's-don't-broke-don't-fix-it-mentality where they kept some important pieces and they add a player in Evgeny Dadnov who absolutely can help and add some offensive punch. Now, just in terms of Evgeny Dadnov, like when you look at, at the, the three seasons he had prior to last season with the Ottawa Senators when he was playing with the Florida Panthers, 25 goals, 28 goals, 28 goals. Like you look at the numbers and they look fantastic, but the question remains, um, is, is Dadnov the type of player that can kind of create for himself or is he going to be someone that's reliant on the rest of his line? And, and how much does that translate to offense here with this Golden Knights team? Yeah, you, you know, I'm not I'm not worried about him creating for himself, honestly. I think, yeah. you know, I, I, I trust him to create his own opportunities just as much as Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty can, you know, control their own. Um, you know, it's it's he's 32, which is not old, but is, is you know, on that back end of the arc probably. Um, put, put it this way: I think what you what you need, and especially in the in the playoffs and in, in the power play scenario, we saw this, you want shooters, right? You want finishers. Yeah. So I'm less worried yeah. about the creative element and more worried about the buried element. And I think uh, that I think Evgeny Dadnov, when you look at what the free agent market was, he's a good guy to take a shot on for uh, for the sake of pure finishing ability. I think that's something that you wanted to add, and, and we'll see if they did. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how everything gets configured. Now, for the Golden Knights, as we look at it on paper, the the where where you look at this team and you say that they are better is certainly that middle six, bottom six type of 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 grouping because you have to factor in Nolan Patrick, Brett Howden, what Kelly McCrimmon was able to do before the roster freeze, and then you have to take that and into account as well with what McCrimmon was able to do yesterday in re-signing Martinez. Your defense is pretty much short up. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon did mention getting Dylan Coughlin into more game action, yep. which you know, it seems to indicate that's going to be the seventh defenseman for the Golden Knights. And then it's it's going to be some type of mismatch of, of Haig, White Cloud, and Coughlin in, in that bottom pair role. But then you start looking at Nolan Patrick. Where does he fit in in terms of this lineup? And then you've got Keegan Colasar, Brett Howden. Where does he fit in? Nick Waugh. And then you bring Matthias Yanmark back. And what I what it looks like to me is the Golden Knights have supplemented their bottom six so that it's not just your top six plus Alex Tuck that can put the puck in the back of the net. Now you've got nine, maybe ten guys, I think, that you can rely on to find offense when you need it the most. And I think there's also an element of this that's that's dependent on untapped potential. You know, when yeah. when we look at the Nolan Patrick edition, 
young player. You expect in perfect circumstances that he's still developmentally on the way up, but then you also throw in the fact that he was he's been injured. So you know this is, we talked about this as being a change of scenery and and a, a bit of a fresh start, and also as just own natural talent. You know we talk about well who's going to be creating for others. I mean that could very well be Nolan Patrick if things work out. Uh, the expectation sure. is that Brett Howden is going to be a better player in Vegas than, or more productive player in Vegas than he was in, in New York. So absolutely, I think you're right. You've firmed up the bottom six at worst, and at best, you're hoping that you're buying low on players that are still on the the outset of their developmental arc, and that you know, you're, you're not trading for Philadelphia Nolan Patrick. What you're trading for is the evolution of Brandon Nolan Patrick. And uh, again, that, that, I think that's going to We'll judge all these deals in the offseason a lot more based on on how those players evolve. Now, when when Kelly McCrimmon got to his press conference yesterday and said that he doesn't anticipate the Golden Knights being in any more negotiations or, or being a part of any more deals. Now, it, it almost felt yesterday like they like I was waiting, personally waiting for something else, something bigger. We we have talked quite a bit, especially with you on the program, about a, a, a potential Jack Eichel trade. And it doesn't seem like that's to be right now for the Golden Knights. Are, are you surprised that it was not so much a big splash by Vegas, but more so just identifying a need and going out and plucking those players that fit? You know, I'm, I'm not surprised because, again, this is a team that is right there. And sometimes yeah. to, to make that big addition, you know, you have to tear down the first floor of the house to try to build a second floor. Like, it's it's counterproductive. And right now, from all that we've heard, uh, again, not, not per- nobody's calling me in my house, but from all that we've read on the, the Twitter <laughs> wire, the, the Buffalo Sabre asking price seems to be astronomically high to the point that yeah. no team that seems to be in on it is in on it all that long. It's been a bit of a game of musical chairs of who is actually talking to them and who isn't. So, you know, if the, if the asking price is going to be that high, I'm not surprised that they didn't tear things down. Um, because even even look at the, the prospects that the VGK are excited about. Peyton Krebs being the, the number one that comes to mind. You know, mm-hmm. Kelly McCrimmon basically said, hey, he'll be in training camp and he'll fight for a job. But if he's not ready, we have absolutely no qualms about sending him to Henderson. So this yeah. is not a team... Uh, and, and again, Peyton Krebs had a great stint in the NHL. He was great in Henderson, but he's still a kid. Uh, this is not a team that is behaving as though they need to shove the square peg into the round hole to win now. It's a team that needs to win now and th- appears to think that they're very well equipped as is. So, you know, for Kelly McCrimmon to say that uh, he's done for the summer, now, right now, the team, by the calculations I've seen, they're still over the, the salary cap, so they'll have to do something at some point, I imagine, to, to wiggle through. Um, yep. But, you know, Kelly McCrimmon, if the phone rings, he's not going to not pick it up. Just, oh, I told Ryan Wallace I was done. You know, <laughs> if, Darren w- if Darren was here, Darren Millard, that might be uh, binding. No, but, <laughs> no, no, you know. no, 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 no. If, listen, if he had told Darren he wasn't <laughs> picking the phone up and then a phone call came in, he'd pick it up and then just say, yeah, I, I was waiting for a phone call just so I could spite Darren. Just like that's, that's spite. where it is right there. It would be, be fantastic. I would yeah. love that. But I, but I don't think this is a VGK team that needs that need to take a big swing. If the big swing, you know, if the fruit hangs low, then pick it for sure. But that didn't sound to be yeah. the situation. And if you, we're going to talk about this at length, I'm sure. But you look at free agency across the league. Yes, there were some big fish out there, but it ended up being a lot of people re re signing their own. And a lot of depth peripheral guys finding new homes. So, 
you know, you can honestly ask, was there a big swing to be had? I'm not sure that there was. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only big swing, like if you're looking at it from the Golden Knights perspective, is is going out and getting an elite number one center. And, and that's not necessarily something that you do uh, via free agency because there just weren't many out there, if any. It's a out thin there. market. Yep. Um, yeah, exactly. So it, it would have had to have been done via trade. It would have probably had to be Jack Eichel. But as of right now, that has not happened. And, you know, Kevin Adams today, general manager of the Buffalo Sabres, said that we're in control here. We've got a player under contract. And, you know, worst case scenario, we just go into next season and Jack Eichel's on our team. Now, I don't yeah. think that that makes <laughs> a whole heck of a lot of sense for the Buffalo Sabres because there's still the questions of does Jack want or is he going to get surgery and does that have to happen before he's able to get back into NHL action I don't know I'm not really concerned too much with what the Buffalo Sabres are going to do because if they make a trade after tomorrow well no one's going to talk about it but other than that all I'm saying is uh, the, the the big move for the Golden Knights would have been via trade anyway because if the big move is what you're looking at it's looking at bringing in an elite center and those just those types of players just don't grow on trees I'll be very interested to see for the Jack Eichel, we're in the driver's seat, we don't need to do anything. It's absolutely true. <laughs> and if and if Kevin Adams yeah. wants to to stick to those guns, I I applaud that. He's, you know, he's got something in writing on a contract and he's going to play by that standard and if Jack Eichel doesn't want to, you know, come to the rink, then we'll wait till the trade deadline and move you when we can. I respect him if he sticks to his guns like that. I do wonder how much easier that is to say in July compared to November <laughs> if Jack Eichel's in the room and I mean, there's already I have enough friends who are Sabres fans and and there's some frustration amongst even the fans like he's a malcontent. Well, if he's not happy then uh, then he can go somewhere else. I'm sure Jack Eichel right now is probably saying like I am unhappy, and I'd gladly go somewhere else. It's we're all agreeing here, <laughs> um, but but we've we've seen from every sport, you know, someone who's disruptive in the locker room really can be disruptive. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see how easy that we're in the driver's seat talking point uh, fits when the the road's a little bit bumpier. We'll we'll see if that comes to pass. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated by what the, the Buffalo Sabres do in terms of Jack Eichel over the course of this summer and whether or not he's going to be a member of that team come training camp in September. I, I don't personally believe that he is. I think Kevin Adams is just kind of hoping for one of the teams that's in the mix to up the ante to where it becomes a trade that he can stomach. But beyond that, I, I don't know in terms of the Golden Knights that that's necessarily where they're, they're, they're leaning simply because – when you look at the lineup right now, or you start to try to piece together lines, and, and I think what I've, I've found as I'm going through this exercise is that if you don't change much in terms of the top six, if you roll back that same top six, you have a lot of options for creating some good combinations in the bottom six that are different from what you've come to know of the Vegas Golden Knights. And you've got a little bit more balance just in terms of, of producers down the lineup. So I, I tasked Chris Chapman with this. And then, Brian, I'm going to get you so you've got some time to think about what your combinations would look like. But, Chris Chapman, as you were, were looking at the Golden Knights today, what did you have in terms of, I don't want to say an ideal lineup, but at least a working lineup for what you'd like to see out of the Golden Knights come next season? Well, I'm not quite sure much changes in the top six, although yeah. although my gut tells me something will change in the top six. Um, so okay. I, I think 
what I would like to see as opposed to what we will see are going to be very different. However, I, I will stick with what I think we will see. And I think our top six remain the same. It'll be Stevenson centering with Pacioretty and Stone on the wings. Carlson will remain second-line center with Marsha So and Smith. And then the the, the bottom two lines, I, I feel like there's a lot of option for Pete DeBoer uh, because th- there is a lot of a lot of depth there where it seems like in years past there wasn't. Um, but assuming he, he signs a tender, and I don't know why he wouldn't, but I think Nolan Patrick will be centering the third line with Tuck and Dadanoff on the wings. And then the fourth line gets a little interesting because I'm not really sure which direction they go because that's where there seem to be options. Um, I do think Yanmark will be on the fourth line on one of the wings. I think Wa will be centering the fourth line. And at this point, I think I'm going to put Keegan Kolasar as the other wing, which kind of leaves Will Carrier and, and, and Howden and Ryan Reeves off the list. I mean, one of those, one of those three guys that we just mentioned are probably not going to be on the opening night roster. It's it, it's interesting for a team that we just talked about. Like, oh, maybe they can add a center, and of course, you're looking at the top half of the lineup. I understand that, but it, it's a pretty. It's actually more crowded down the middle than you realize when you start <laughs> running through the list. Yeah, so, because I mean, I, I left Peyton Krebs off a couple of weeks ago. I had Peyton Krebs uh, centering the second line. Well, in, in fairness, that was kind of under the operation of what the Golden Knights had at that point, and you you were looking at Peyton Krebs to kind of push in camp. And I'm still looking at Peyton Krebs as we go to training camp next year for the Golden Knights. I still think that he's the type of player that's going to make some, some difficult decisions uh, possible for the Golden Knights head coach. But, you know, in terms of, of this lineup, remember the exercise a, a few weeks ago, Chris. It was to create change using what you had because I, I think what we were striving for at least when I did this exercise a couple of weeks ago I was looking for balance I was looking for ways to maximize your scoring all the way throughout your lineup and the only way that I think you were able to do that is if you kind of broke up the top six if you moved Pacioretty away from Stevenson and Stone if you kind of reconfigured Carlson and Smith and their role but right now what I think has been created by Kelly McCrimmon is is a lineup where you don't really have to tweak too much in terms of your top six maybe Nolan Patrick gets a look between Pacioretty and Stone maybe that's a job that he can win or a job that he can kind of grow into over the course of the season but right now if you're looking at a third line of Dodanov, Patrick and Tuck that has the potential to be one of the best, if not the best third line on paper that the Golden Knights have ever had, just in terms of past production from those players. Well, yeah, if you get the Nolan Patrick that had uh, 30 points. 13 goals. Yeah, yeah, if you get that Nolan Patrick centering Tuck, who who I think we're all waiting to to just have that 25-goal season, which we all, we all hope is coming at some point. And then Dadanoff, who you know has a couple of 25-goal seasons, so, I mean, you have to think, at least on paper, and it seems like every year this is this is the headache that we, we go through or we have. <laughs> it's the third line. Like, who is the third line? Are, is Vegas ever going to have a third line that that stands out? And I think a lot of us a couple of years ago were, were thinking that Stevenson was a third-line guy, but he's now established himself as, as the first-line center. I keep waiting for Alex Tuck to push for top six minutes 
But I think the way that this lineup sets, I think it, 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 there's going to be a lot of playing time for that third line, and I think where maybe you get the drop-off is the fourth line. But then again, you look at Yanmark, and the guy had a, had a hat trick in Game 7 against the Wild. So you, you, you have a guy in your fourth line who you know is capable of going out there and putting the puck in the net, which is probably not something that this team has really ever had from the fourth line. Yeah, I, I, again, and I think that that's where you look at what, what Kelly McCrimmon was able to do, and it, it's not so much in terms of the big splash or, or finding a player that, that I think is really going to come in and be inserted into the top six. I think it's about retooling what you've got in your third and fourth line, getting players that can bring those those top line, that top line production out of Alex Tuck so he's not out there just doing it all himself. And then you've got now a fourth line that if, if you're looking at it, Yanmark, Wah, and then some combination of Colasar, Carrier, or Howden, um, like I think you've got a fourth line that you can put in a lot of different situations and, and feel very confident and comfortable in them. Now, Brian, I know you, you, you kind of are just kind of getting this one on the fly, but in terms of what you're looking at for the Golden Knights from, from a lineup perspective, what are you seeing as some of those possibilities? You know, as you guys are talking through it, I, I understand and I agree that for the top six that was, you know, had a lot of stability, you want to keep it steady where it is. The one thing I'm looking I, I would leave I would leave Pacioretty, Stone, and Stevenson together because it worked. And I think, again, you, you hope, you root for Nolan Patrick evolving into the full-fledged player he was supposed to be. If if Nolan Patrick becomes what he was drafted to be, he is your top-line center. He's not that right sure. now, but you hope he becomes it. That's the whole point of bringing him here is to develop him into being <laughs> the the best version of him. So, you know, that that is your top line. But over time, if Nolan Patrick were to reach his full potential and become a top-line center, you've got no problem. If Chandler Stevenson's your third-line center, for argument's sake, you're laughing. So yeah. I I'd say leave leave those three as is and and hope that someone like, like anything else I hope we have the problem of having to make ourselves better. The one thing I <laughs> the the one thing I found curious for Riley Smith coming off a rather unRiley Smith like season. Mm-hmm. Would I put Evgeny Dadnov there? Would I put Evgeny so Dadnov? Marsh- there and have Marcuso Carlson and Dadnov. Yeah, and I have two trigger men on each wing. I'm putting Dadnov with players that can put him in offensive situations. And for Riley Smith, I'm putting him with Alex Tuck with his speed to stretch the ice. You know, sometimes Riley Smith is most dangerous when he's finding those soft areas when you almost forget about him a little bit. I yeah. wonder if you put him with a wrecking ball like Alex Tuck going a million miles an hour down downhill. Is there going to be more opportunities for Riley Smith to find soft areas in the offensive zone that gives him more opportunity than maybe he had on the Carlson Marshall line? Which again, his that line's worked fine. It's not a lack of opportunity, but does <laughs> does Dadnov benefit more on that trio, and does Smith kind of repurpose himself on a third line with again perhaps it's Nolan Patrick and Alex Tucker? Or that's one where I'm curious. Does it does it Bake Dadnov a more useful version of himself with Marjusso and with Carlson than he would be otherwise. You know, it, that's an interesting idea, and and it kind of harkens back to something that that I was thinking about when we did this exercise with Darren Millard a, a few weeks ago. Because I wanted to create a third line checking line. I, I, I wanted to create 
a line that you could throw over the boards and you're just getting nothing. You're shutting everything down and freeing up really essentially your, your first, second, and fourth lines if you're going to try to get a fourth line that, that can put the puck in the back of the net. You're allowing them to, to get some easier minutes throughout the lineup. So I like the idea of Marcheseau and Dadnov, and maybe you go Patrick there, and then you can create like a legitimate checking line of Carlson, Smith, and Yanmark, and, and I'm not sure that this is necessarily exactly where I'd go with it, but those three guys from a defensive standpoint, would be able to lock the game down so much that it might free up those heavy minutes for Mark Stone and, and allow those guys to just focus in on scoring goals. That's a that's a hard line to play against, and they have the ability, especially if they're wearing you down, to, a, to yeah. capitalize in transition quickly. It's not a bad idea. What say you, Chapman? Well, I, I, I kind of think you, you want to stick with the balance, but I think you get the best version of Dadanoff when he's playing with William Carlson and Ryan and, and, and Jonathan Marcheseau. But I still I, I feel like that kind of takes a little bit of the punch away from the third line if you if you take a guy who has the capability to put twenty five goals in the net off the third line, because now you have Tuck in him centering uh or, or being centered by uh Nolan Patrick, who I kind of feel like he, he, he's he got to play with guys who can score in order to bring out the best of him. Riley Smith, I mean, look, he, he we don't know if it, it seems like every other year with Riley, he goes off. Two years ago, he, he had an absolutely amazing season. Last year, I don't think he, he would have been too satisfied with the season that he had. Coming up, it's contract year for him. Maybe we get the best version of Riley Smith that we've seen. I, I don't know, but right now I feel more comfortable leaving him with the Carlson and Marcia so line. But mm-hmm. I'm not a hockey coach, and, and there's a lot of analytics that will go into it, I'm sure. And, I mean, if it's me making the decision, I'm, I'm still leaving Riley Smith on the second line. Yeah, I mean, there's it gives you an idea that there are some some really different ideas that, that head coach Pete DeBoer can play with, and, and I think illustrates the point that while the deals yesterday for the Golden Knights might not have been the flashiest, it might not have been that big signing or that big trade that everyone was looking for, when you kind of peel back the layers on the players that are brought in and the players the Golden Knights were able to keep in Yanmark and Martinez, it certainly looks like this team on paper going into next season is better than the one that ended up losing to the Montreal Canadiens in six games in the Stanley Cup semi-finals. We've still got tons to get to here. We're going to get into winners and losers from free agency opening day number one. We're going to get to the legal minute with Sam and Ash, a big, exciting announcement coming there. But but up next, we're going to take a look at the Edmonton Oilers because it's a team that I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by. And the, the question of, are they better now than they were two weeks ago, a week ago? I don't know. We'll find out. That's all coming up next on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Rolling right along, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Brian McCormick, Chris Chapman. Thought experiment day as we sit uh, a little bit more than... 
30 hours removed from the opening of free agency yesterday. And you know, a busy day yesterday. It felt more normal, uh, certainly yesterday, than it did uh, in 2020. But, you know, one team that I'm perplexed by for a number of different reasons, it's the Edmonton Oilers. Um, specifically because like you've got a general manager in Ken Holland who's trying to do something. He's trying to make changes. He's trying to make this team better. And I, I respect doing something, but then there are, there's doing something and then there's doing what you've done before. And so Brian, I, I, I gotta ask you, are the Edmonton Oilers better today than they were two weeks ago? They can be. Let's presume every one they brought in does what they are accustomed to doing. So, for example, okay. there's a couple of additions that I actually really like for what they are. Uh, they brought in, at a good number, Derek Ryan. I think that's a good addition for what his job is. That's, <laughs> Brian, of all the Edmonton moves, you're bringing up Derek Ryan. No, I'm just saying that's one that's like, hey, savvy, nice job. Having said that, we have, let's just run through them for the sake of the, uh, the viewing audience at home. You've got Zach Hyman, five and a half AAV at seven years. <sighs> 29 have, years old. You have Cody Cece, 325 yes. <laughs> AAV, four years. Ryan's favorite player. Love him. Okay. So those two, you'll look at, and you said in the commercial break, uh, Ryan, you said like all the, that that combination, literally those two bodies. Well, how'd that work out for Toronto? The funny thing mm-hmm. is, based on you know Cody CC, I took him in our mock expansion draft. I think he's okay at the right number. He's he's worth a, a spin. Mm-hmm. Zach Hyman's a good player. A lot of people on the market would have wanted, but it's seven years, five and a half for Hyman, four years, three two five for CC, my Lanta. Like these almost feel like contracts that the Maple Leafs would have given out six years ago. It, so it, it feels Maple Leaf esque. Okay, so I I like Zach Hyman a lot, and, and I think the the grit and the sandpaper and the intangibles that he's going to bring are probably good for the Edmonton Oilers. But twenty nine years old, a lot of injuries going through, like just a lot of mileage on his body. Seven years, like that contract, even though the number in terms of the cap hits pretty low, um, not great, but it's not like an $8 million average annual value. It's five and a half. Okay, fine. But I, I just don't think he's going to hold up through that contract. Now, what, what's weird though, early what, what, on, what's weird is that they're, they're rough contracts because of term and tenure. But, yep. like, while the Hyman one and the CC ones make you go, oh, like, again, Hyman's going to be good in the beginning, but maybe not at the end. CC's just is, is yep. dangerous. It's risky. At the same it's time, too high. at the yeah. same time, he got Tyson Barry back for three years. When they trade for Duncan Keith, we thought Barry had to be out the door. He got him back for yeah. three years for only one and a quarter million more than CC. He's got Ryan Nugent Hopkins coming back for eight years. Nugent Hopkins is making less than Hyman. Right. So on the one end, so, it's like, like oh, this is risky. On the other end, it's like, well, how did he do it? That's the thing that I, like, I'm, I'm finding to be so fascinating here with the Oilers because it, it depends on the time of the day and, and kind of how I'm looking at the roster because when I look at 
Cody Cece's contract. When I look at Zach Hyman's contract, I'm like, oh, boy, that's rough. When I look at Duncan Keith and kind of what I'm expecting Duncan Keith to be next season for the Oilers, I say, oh, boy. But then I look at the Tyson Berry contract, and I'm like, that's an absolute steal. You've got a guy that that is going to give you points. He is going to give you power play production. He is going to get the puck onto the stick of Connor McDavid and let McDavid do his thing. Like, I, I, I said Tyson Berry, I think he's – probably what a five and a half six six million dollar defenseman when we did our mock draft for seattle i selected tyson berry and then i elected not to resign him because i wasn't going to be able to afford him and then he goes and signs for 4.5 million average annual value if i would have known that my seattle kraken team would have been even better so again you've got Derek ryan one two five very good very nice zach hyman seven years five and a half Probably an overpay. You probably won't love the end of that deal, but every now and then when it's one of the top guys in the market, you got to give him a deal you don't want to just to get it done. You're paying him for the front half of that contract. Fine. Cody CC, four years, 3.25. I'd like to know who they're bidding against. Tyson Berry, three <laughs> they years. Were, they're bidding against themselves. Uh, apparently not yeah. because I, I, that couldn't have been their opening salvo. I Tyson, hope not. <laughs> Tyson Berry, three years, four and a half. How did you do that? Mike Smith. <laughs> At 39 years old, a two-year contract, and then Golly. Nugent Hopkins at a bargain, a bargain price. Like within a span of, of a day and a half, there's times for Edmonton Oilers fans that they probably want to buy Ken Holland a consolation beer, and then 10 minutes later, a celebratory steak. It's such a back and forth between how did you pull this off and why did you pull this off that it's it's fascinating, and it just makes you realize, especially with Connor McDavid now, and they're trying to to. You know they, they need to win now because they have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, and so far both of them will probably be really frustrated or also being very well behaved. So this yeah. this feels like a win in the next three years move, using the assets that this market had available to them, which were not a lot of home run options. So in in terms of that, okay, win now, perfectly okay with that. If you're going to try to do that, good. Mike Smith, like. There were goalies available. There is something else you could have tried. You could have gone to a different well to get a drink. Like, I'm sorry, Mike Smith, <laughs> two years, $2.2 million. It, It's just It doesn't make any legitimate but, sense. But doesn't. his goals against last year, 231. His save percentage, 923. In a short I'm, season. For sure. For sure. But he's he's 39. That's what blows me away. But if he wants to be the next ageless wonder 45-year-old, I'm all for it. Let's see it. <laughs> okay, but like the, my, my argument with Mike Smith, and it's always going to be my argument, regular season, okay, fine, like that's great. But he's always been relatively good until you need him to be good, and then he's bad. And that happened in the playoffs, and I'm sorry. like it, You can't have another first-round exit. You can't have another fiasco in the playoffs and Mike Smith is just not to me the type of guy that's going to be able to hold up throughout a regular season and then into the playoffs and give you good minutes so you know I'm not sure which is worse the Mike Smith contract or the fact that both Milan Lucic and James Neal are counting toward dead cap space for the Oilers well, again, you've got Mike Smith. You've got Miko Koskinen is a free agent after this season. Uh, and Mike Smith, honestly, again, his age we keep making making jokes about, but he's making 2.2. He's not breaking the bank. 
You've got Alex Stalock under a million is also on the uh, on the ledger, but I wonder, and this still has to be proven. But as your as your AHL correspondent on the show, uh, Stuart Skinner in <laughs> in Bakersfield had a really good year last year, a really good year, and I wonder if part of this is buying time for him. Whereas after this year, if if let's just say for argument's sake, if Miko Koskinen comes off the books, do you have Mike Smith and Stuart Skinner in a tandem? I I wonder. Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of the Edmonton Oilers because I think it's Jekyll and Hyde. I think that there have been really good moves from Ken Holland. I love the Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle swap. I really Great do. Trade. Uh, and, and then there have been moves that make you scratch your head. So it's kind of a wait and see right now for me when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers. It's, but if there's if there's one thing we know, it's not going to be dull when we watch them play at T-Mobile Arena next year against the Vegas Golden Nights. When we come back, it's the Sam and Ash Legal Minute. And then in hour number two, we get into the winners and losers from free agency right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. It is time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash of SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. We have Sam and Ash with us today. And now the format of this is going to be a little bit different, but we got a little bit of, of really exciting, very intriguing news, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But Sam, Ash, how are you both doing today? <laughs> well... Uh, Sam, How, your, your name's first in the firm name, so you go first. <laughs> hey, I'm guys, I'm doing great. Uh, we're both doing great because today's a huge day, and I don't know if you heard any of the news, but we are the new sponsors uh, of the Henderson Silver Knights, and we're really, really excited about this. We've been legitimized, Ryan. We're no longer just some personal injury <laughs> attorneys you talk to once a week. We're now the official injury attorneys of the Henderson Silver Knights. So there you go. Well, first and foremost, congratulations on that. And really, like, just kind of how did this entire partnership, this sponsorship come about for you? Through relationships. Like everything in this town, which is, you know, we're a community and we get to know people. And, you know, a, a couple years ago, we, we met, we had the uh, privilege of meeting a few uh, uh, people in this organization and in, in the Golden Knights. This is before, by the way, the Silver Knights were even a thing. And, um, mm-hmm. and we got to know them. We became friends. And, and, um, and we, we began talking about opportunities and way that, ways that we could engage uh, with the organization and help our community. And then when the Silver Knights uh, were announced, we, we, we really thought this would be a great way to, uh, to connect. And so we've been talking about it ever since. And, and, and here we are today, excited to, to start uh, in the second season. And, and, um, and, and, and we're very excited about the, this is going to be a big year. I mean, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have an opening day. Uh, two you know, opening days. Two opening days, one mm-hmm. in October and then one in, one in April where, where we go to the Dollar Loan Center. And that's going to be incredible. Now, have you kind of sat back and just kind of allowed yourself to to think of, you know, just what this this partnership's going to look like for you? Obviously, when you look at some of the things, being a member of the Silver Society, having your logo on the ice at Dollar Loan Center, like, have you thought about just kind of how cool that's going to be when you see it for the first time? 
Oh, absolutely. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, as a kid, you go to minor league games, you go to professional games, and you see those logos in the rink or on the dasher board surrounding the rink, and you just kind of look at it and you think, wow, like that's cool. That's something. And and so I, I, I definitely won't overlook that aspect of it just from a fan perspective that it is a very, very surreal moment for the firm, and I'm excited to see it. And also, but on a, a community side, I'm excited for the partnership opportunities between our firm and the Henderson Silver Knights because I think together we will do some great things that benefit uh, the city of Henderson and unify the community even more so. And for me personally, I'll, I'll just be honest. I, you know, I, my parents emigrated to this country. I, I was uh, blessed, really, to be born here, and I grew up with very little. And uh, I watched my parents work very hard uh, and get, you know, get to a, you know, a comfortable middle class life. And and uh, and then, uh, I, for me, starting my own firm with with Ash and and building this firm up and and growing it out is is my american dream and mm -hmm. so you asked me what it's like to see our our firm you know logo on, on the ice in the ice uh, at the dollar loan center here in beautiful las vegas and henderson and i i mean I, i'm really I, i'm gonna be really humbled by it and it's it's gonna be an emotional moment for me for sure now, you guys have both kind of mentioned the word community. Just just how excited are you to, to further ingrain yourself within this community via this sponsorship? I don't think there's a, uh, words enough that can cap capture that feeling for us. I mean, this is truly an opportunity for us to extend our reach into Henderson. We've been, uh, during COVID, you know, we're, we're a 2019 firm. We, we opened in 2019. So most right now we dealt with COVID and we focused in the downtown area of Las Vegas where our office is. And we're really excited to grow throughout the valley and, and really help other aspects of the community and I'm really excited about now getting into Henderson. I've been there several times and I love everything about it and the redevelopment of it and it's it's really unique. And Sam, same to you. Well, I I, I just think there's um, that this is I'm I'm excited to go to the games. All right, I, I'm just really <laughs> excited to be there uh, to to meet more people. I, I mentioned er, just earlier about uh, this is a relationship town. Uh, I'm a social person, and and one thing about us as a firm is that we're you know we're we're regular uh, you know approachable people, and we're we're you know we have regular approachable clients, and we're a first you know we we. we our, our brand, our, our, the name of our firm are our first names. It's because we want, we want the community and our clients to know us and we want to know them. And so this is an opportunity to go out and, and meet people and shake hands and, 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 and just, and make friendships. And, and that I think is, is the most important thing uh, that, that I'm looking forward to uh, this next season. You know, it's it's always interesting because when when you have all the this room for growth, right? You've got the Golden Knights coming in, first professional uh, sports team here in Vegas, in the National League at least, and then you find this growth from within. You have the Henderson Silver Knights. You you see what that's really doing within the community and and how things are changing across the valley. And now you get to be a part of of really that landscape here in, in Vegas. I mean, it, you know 
could you have really imagined this day maybe three, four, or five years ago? Or are you just kind of really inspired by the fact that in such short time, this is kind of where this city has gone in embracing pro- professional sports? No, I couldn't have imagined it, but here we are, and it and it works. And there's always room for more of something of quality. And that, mm-hmm. you know, when we opened our, our practice, funny enough, a lot of people said, really? Another personal injury lawyer in Vegas? What the heck? And we said, yeah, but we're, we're different, and we have – we're unique, and we are – we're we're better (laughs) and and that's you know that's that's you know again i i think when the when the when the vgk came to town people thought what like this this is vegas i mean sports in vegas it's not it's not what it's about but but look it, it everything that this organization does and now the silver knights what they do is quality it's it's so everything is done so well and and we're i'm very i'm very respectful and i'm impressed with this organization and and we are both ashley and i are honored to be part of the of the of the vgk hsk uh family you know i gotta ask you like now when you when you kind of sit back and you go to a game is it going to feel different for you as opposed to maybe it did last year when you were going to games Oh, I'm still going to yell just as loud. Maybe even louder now. I don't know. And I didn't think and that she, was possible. And she yells loud, uh, let me tell you. Now I'm, now I'm invested in these teams. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan at heart. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm happy that, I was, that Sam and I were able to align our business with the Henderson Silver Knights and find a way to uh, help and get involved in that community. Um, but as a fan, I mean, when I walk through those doors in an arena, I'm, I'm truly a fan, and I just want to see great – great hockey and wins and that and that's really it yeah well i I mean i you know the henderson silver knights i think it's just one of those teams where you know be you you get ingrained in the community the people that are going to be going to that to those games are really focused in and centered in on on a team that is theirs we talk about the golden knights as being vegas born i think there's something that's that's going to be unique to henderson there as well and you know i I think it's it's unique to you guys because as you mentioned sam you you are different there there aren't many lawyers that you can get a hold of 24 7 there aren't many that are going to listen and provide you the type of guidance that that you and and ashley both provide so uh, you know it's it's to me a partnership that makes a lot of sense and and congratulations to both of you guys Um, i'm very very excited for you guys oh thanks ryan appreciate it thank you so much now we would be remiss if we didn't at least get some information out there as to where people can get in touch with you should they need a lawyer because as we mentioned you guys are different and if someone is in need how can they get a hold of you yeah, so we we have an easy phone number, 702-820-1234. You can also go to our website, Sam and Ash Law, L-A-W, uh, dot com. Uh, and then remember we you know, we are we also have we opened this year a satellite office in uh, in Newport Beach, California. So we represent uh, our, our, anybody that is hurt also on the road visiting California. Know that you have a firm that can take care of you there. Uh, so I always like to remind people, we're your hometown firm that's got your back on the road. Sam and Ash, thank you guys so much. Congratulations, and we will chat with you soon. Oh, awesome. Looking forward to it, Ryan. Wonderful. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. 
This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at SamandAsh.com because you deserve what's right.